Today's episode of Home Row is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word, and it also inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. Learn more at csbible.com. I'm I'm writing. You know how to write. Without the without the without the writing, you have nothing. I'm writing. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Home Row, and I'm your host Jeff Metters. And on today's show, I have a longtime listener of the show and a a friend of the internet, and we even actually got to meet at the Gospel Coalition and talk about writing, uh, Jennifer Brogdon. How are you, Jen? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's great to have you on the show. I know we've been able to talk about writing and stuff before, so now we get to talk about writing uh, over the airwaves and not just email. Yeah, it's my favorite thing to talk about other than the gospel. (laughs) Yeah, amen. So Mm -hmm. for the listeners out there who don't know who you are, uh, maybe they they haven't kept up with your blog or seen your writings at the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God, uh, tell us uh, just a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you live, all that kind of good stuff. You know know the routine. Yeah, yeah. So I live in Jackson, Mississippi. Right now I'm a stay-at-home mom with a three-year-old, Brooke, and a one-year-old named David. And I also am, I guess you would call me an independent contractor for the Gospel Coalition. I work on a few random projects for them whenever they send them my way. Um, I write on my blog, which is jenniferstbrodden.com. And I also try to write for other sites like Desiring God and the Gospel Coalition or Risen Motherhood. Um, My husband is Shane. We go to Grace Community Church here in Jackson. And we're very involved with them, and we love it here. So that's about it. Cool. I couldn't help but think of uh, the Johnny Cash song, I'm Going to Jackson. <laughs> yeah, just, that's a good just, one. Just as you kept mentioning it. And yeah. Yeah, as a, you know, as a Mississippian, is that what you call y- yourselves? I guess, yeah. Mississippians. <laughs> um, what's, what's something that you do for fun out there in Jackson, Mississippi? Okay, so you know how in different seasons of life, your idea of fun kind of changes. And as a stay-at-home mom, you have some limitations. But what I'm about to say is legit, like, fun for me. I go to the library twice a week with my kids. And my favorite thing to do is pick out books for them. It is so much fun for me to go through all the shelves and pick out books for them. Um, so that's kind of the lame (laughs) mom answer, reader, writer answer. But if I could pick something fun to do and I do this every now and then I would go roller skating, roller skating. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up going roller skating. One of my friends there, her family owned the skating rink. So I was there like Friday, Saturday night of every week. Um, my parents were in the restaurant business, so they worked until like 11 at night. And so that was a good place for me to go yeah. while they worked. And I still love to skate. Oh, we went a man. few months ago. Yeah. I can't <laughs> imagine if I tried to go roller skating today, what would happen? I- oh, well, I almost threw up <laughs> the last time I went because I skated literally for like a straight two hours. Oh, and goodness. I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> I almost threw up. I don't yeah. think I'd be able to stand up. 
I think if I put the skates on and went out there, I would totally fall. Oh, well, my husband is a very athletic guy, and he almost busted it several times. Yeah. I can't so, ice skate. I know a roller skate. Oh, well, would, that's different. Yeah, in roller skating, I just imagine, especially if it were the blades. If there were roller blades, I'd be out. Maybe the classic mm-hmm. kind of four-wheeler-looking skates, maybe those mm-hmm. would keep me upright. But Yeah, those are the ones I wear. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay, <laughs> but hey, that's unique. You get the prize for mentioning – no one has ever mentioned roller skating. I didn't think so, so but – Hey, I love it. You got it. You got it. So, so you've been writing now for for years and stuff on your blog. But how, how did you become a writer? How did the desire to write and to serve to serve Christ's people? How did that come about? Mm-hmm. Well, I really, since about the age of five, I wanted to be a dentist. Up until the junior year of college, um, so I really had tunnel vision towards that. That was my goal. That's what I was going for in school. That was it. And you had to study science to do that. Um, But I always loved to write. But since I had such tunnel vision towards that goal, I only saw it as fun. Um, I wrote a lot of poems in middle school. I mean, they were really corny love poems. But and then um, I wrote like one to two page stories for fun. um, But I just never thought of anything but it being a hobby. Um, but my senior year of high school, I had the dreaded English teacher, you know, I went to a small private school. So like seventh graders, you know, were friends with the seniors and you'd hear all those years about Miss Noble, the English teacher, your senior year and how hard she was. But she really is the one who instilled the love of writing in me. This was AP English, so we wrote a lot. And then we would have like one-on-one time with her where she had her red pen. And basically, I remember her helping me correct all of my passive voice into active voice. And I just loved watching how she made my writing better. And I kind of got obsessed with that. Um, Where from then on, anytime I would read a book, I was like, making notes like she was like, this is good. This is good. And then even when I went to college, I was going for, um, dental school. So I was a biology major. Um, but I loved my English classes and even my friends would bring me their papers and have me mark them up. And I loved that. Um, and then my English teacher, my freshman year even pulled me and another student aside. And she said, you know, y'all could, y'all should consider taking an honors English class. Um, I think y'all are really gifted. And that was the first time I thought of anything outside of biology being worth pursuing. And so I kind of went back and forth that freshman year of college, like whether I should major in English writing, but I ended up changing my major. And then I chickened out and changed it back to (laughs) biology. I think mainly because I was an athlete my whole life, even in college. And I just had this don't give up mentality. And since I had the goal to become a dentist. Well, I played basketball in high school. But in college, I ran cross country and track. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, um, sorry to the to jump in. I just was curious, and I thought, oh, I should ask what what sport. So uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, so chickened out. Yeah, so I chickened out and I changed it back because 
I had just told so many people my whole life that this is what I'm going to do. So it felt like I was giving up or that I felt like I couldn't do it. So, but then my junior year of college, I just felt like the Lord didn't want me to pursue dental school anymore. So then I kind of just found a job with my degree. But then when I started writing again, the first thing I wrote was um, the first article I got published on Desiring God. That was the first article I ever wrote. What was was that? And well, it was a unique experience of where it's called, I think it's called two funerals in two days. I think that's what it's called. It's a unique experience where I was around college international students a lot at the time. And a Muslim girl that I shared the gospel with many, many times, she was killed in a car wreck. And so that was really hard for me to think, well, she was a Muslim. So I knew without a doubt she wasn't saved. And I had openly shared the gospel with her many times and she never believed. And then the next day, a very godly man in my life who was in his 70s died. So I lost two people that I loved within two days. And the mourning process was completely different. You know, mourning because my friend over here rejected the gospel and is in hell. And my other friend is with Christ. So I just had to tell people that story. And at the time I was coaching, helping coach cross country and track at my college I graduated from. And we had devotions in the mornings and I shared basically that article in word form for the devotion. Mm. So then I went home and wrote it all down. So it's literally word for word, like the devotion that I shared with them. And I don't even know how, I don't remember how I came across the submission site on Desiring God. I don't even know if they have that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe, but I think they've changed some of Yeah, they definitely changed things, but it was a very generic email and I just sent it and didn't hear back for months, completely forgot about it (laughs) until uh, Marshall emailed me and said he wanted to publish it the next day and we need a headshot. And I'm thinking, I don't even have a headshot. (laughs) (laughs) I had to call like my wedding photographer and get her to crop a bridal portrait for me. that's funny. I had been married, I think, like one year. So that was the only like high res photo yeah. I have. But but since then, that's when I when I really loved being able to share truth through writing. And I was reminded how much I loved writing all the years of my life. And that's when I started writing more seriously, which is from that one experience that became a published article. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. How, how God used these events and all the way back to college and then tragedy and just your own heart and desires and Marshall at Desiring God and all that. And here we mm-hmm. are. That's really incre- incredible how God works all of our stories. Mm-hmm. How, yeah, it says that you published that article at Desiring God in 2016. So February 11th, 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've yeah. pu- published at other places too. Uh, there, you can go to Jennifer's website, and I'll put a link to that in, in the show notes, but you can see her writing that's been done, as she mentioned, at Desiring God, the Gospel Coalition, Unlocking the Bible, Risen Motherhood, 
the Revolution Gospel Center Discipleship Servants of Grace and Revive Our Hearts. Lots of great, lots of great places on here. Um, but one of the reasons why uh, you know we uh, we got together here on the show is you and I were emailing back and forth this summer, and you had some thoughts about the uneducated writer and how the uneducated writer could grow could grow in their in their craft. But I've, before before we dive into all those things, what do you mean by the uneducated writer? Yeah, I didn't really know how else to describe it. But when you think about my story and how I really missed out on the opportunity to study anything writing in college because I got my degree in something totally different, biology. And so I think of someone like me who missed out on that. And then now I'm a mom and I have responsibilities where I might not necessarily be able to go back to school and study writing like I would want to get a master's in English or an MFA, which is a master's of fine arts and creative writing because of my other responsibilities. But I have noticed just from, you know, when I started writing seriously in 2016, just a few years later now, how much I've grown as a writer just from all the opportunities that are out there. So I imagine you have a ton of listeners yeah. who are more like mediocre writers, haven't been published anywhere, want to write, love to write, um, want to study writing, but may not have the opportunity. Like I don't, but there's so many things out there. Like I know you talk about writing books a ton on your, on your podcast. Right. There are so many out there. Um, you going to ask me what my favorite one is? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. What, what you got? Okay, well, I think I would have a bigger category of books on writing than most people, maybe. So when I think of books on writing, I think there's the books that are about the writing craft itself. So when people mention on writing or writing well, those would fit into that category. Mm -hmm. I think of books that are more memoir style that show good writing. Yeah. So that would be more like Bird by Bird and The Writing Life by Annie Dillard. And then I think about books on writers. So more like a biography okay. of a writer but it talks about their writing craft, how they became a writer, even gives examples and excerpts. So all of those would be under the category of books and writing on writing to me. And there are so many out there. And I have found that looking at the library, since I go twice a week with my right. kids for fun, there's a huge section on writing and writers. And I've found some that I hadn't even found like on Goodreads. Um, well, now I found them on Goodreads, but usually I pick my books out beforehand on Goodreads. Okay. But, but you probably know this one. So this one is by Roy Peter Clark. Haven't you had him on the show? Yeah, yeah. Writing Tools. Is that one? Not he, that one. I okay. have read that one. I okay. Uh, the X Ray of Writing yeah. or Reading? The, yeah, The Art of X Ray Reading. Yeah. Have you read that one? I haven't read it. Okay. I really like this one because, and I have two more. I'm going to give you two. Okay, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I really like this one because he goes through a lot of classic books like Moby Dick, um, 
he goes through short stories like The Lottery. If you haven't read that one, you need to read it. And he gives excerpts of good writing. So there's tons of examples to... So he's using that as x-ray reading mm-hmm. these examples to showcase good writing. And that's really helpful for me to be able to see it. Um, then you can mimic it or right. try your hand at, at something similar. Another, this one I completely found and had never heard of. It's called A Writer's Coach, An Editor's Guide to Words That Work. And it's by Jack R. Hart. This one was really good. He talked a lot about, he gave examples of bad sentences or abstract concepts. And then he would rewrite them and show you the difference. So I love books with examples like that. Oh yeah. Um, And tons of excerpts in this one. It was just really helpful for me. And then, you know, you can even find writing and books about writers in the juvenile section at the library. So I thumb through there sometimes and they're really clear and simple because they're made for like high schoolers. But I came across this one that is called Some Writer, the story of E.B. White. And this one is a picture book, (laughs) but it's really interesting. It shows like the whole story of E.B. White from when he was a boy to when he died. And it shows all of his little snippets, handwritten letters, and um, synopsises before you know, unedited before they went to the publisher. And it's just really good. Like to even read a sentence by E.B. White is helpful. Um, But then I even found, I'll have to tell you about the one I found at the library yesterday, which most people probably wouldn't be interested in this, but no, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm looking, so I'm looking through the, some writer, the E.B. White one on, uh, on Amazon right now. It is cool. It's a cool looking book and if and listeners if you mm-hmm. don't know who eb white is you you may know him but not realize you know him he's the other half of the strunk and white uh, mm-hmm. uh basic simple manual to grammar and sentence structure and writing and all that. So you definitely need to get elements of style if you don't but yeah this is a really cool gen- okay so so tell me about the the one you found yesterday Okay, so I just like peruse the shelves and find these things. This is called Mississippi Writers Talking. So if you know anything about writers in Mississippi in the past, we've had a lot, even though, you know, people joke about how Mississippians don't read. (laughs) But then we'll just tell them, okay, Eudora Welty, William Faulkner, like, leave us alone. Okay, but anyways, it's by... It's by John Griffin Jones, but this is basically a book of interviews. So this guy Jones interviews all these Mississippi writers. I think there's 11 total. And I got this yesterday and I pretty much devoured it because it's the reason people like this podcast. We like hearing the interview, the interviewing process of a writer, how they became to be, what their practice looks like, how they've improved why do they write about these certain themes or whatnot? And that's what it is. Like he's asking all these questions to these writers and I have found it incredibly interesting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't always have to read these books about writing to necessarily have a how to bullet point 
of how to improve your writing, but it's a motivation to write. It's exciting to see, oh, these people actually were this and then, you know, became writers. They're not that much different from me. And then you can, you can sit down and write and practice is what's going to help you get better. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really cool. I, I think you're so right. You know, I, I'm, I would put myself in that same camp as the quote unquote uneducated writer. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't have a background in writing, uh, through college or, or anything like that. I was planning, um, in high school, I was originally planning to go to Texas A&M, go get my engineering degree. And then I was going to go work with my dad who owns a uh, machine shop and, you know, work with him and all that. Well, then I, when I went to go apply, uh, for school. After I graduated high school, I was going to get ready to go to A&M. I missed the application deadline by a week. Ooh, I thought, oh, I'm an, idiot. Like, I'm an idiot. What am I doing? And so I just went to the local community college. I said, I'll just go here for a semester and then, then I'll go to A&M the next semester. Well, I don't know why. I don't know if I like didn't use the internet that much or what. I mean, the internet wasn't what it, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, what it is now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I missed the application deadline again. But the next Ooh. semester, I thought, "Holy moly, I'm a moron!" And so I <laughs> went to the local community college again, and and then I got a, I you know I had thought about going into ministry. I had I had felt that kind of I guess call or just desire, but I wanted to play music um, and do that and not really preach. And so I knew I could go still get my A and M you know, business degree, whatever. And then also maybe go to get some, get some Bible classes and Jimmy Needham and I were friends. We met each other in Tomball and we're hanging out and doing some ministry events together. And then I got invited by a friend to go to a free, uh, hermeneutics class at this small Bible college down in Houston called the college of biblical mm-hmm. studies. And so they invited me to come in to sit in, in a class during the day. Um, and it was an old Testament survey class and it, I, so I went in, sat in the middle of the day, uh, it was mainly urban uh, down in the, like down in Houston. I think I was the only white guy in the class. Um, and I'm actually half Mexican. So I was like only the only half, there was only one half white guy represented in the class. And, uh, it was amazing. And the class was incredible. And I thought, I think I want to come here. Um, and, you know, talk to my parents and all that. And then I started taking classes there and then I stayed in Tomball and met my wife and all that. But all that to say is I never took any kind of writing classes or, and I wasn't a big reader until I started going to Bible college. Like I, I may have read in my whole time in school, I think I read maybe a handful of books the whole way through. It, Were you it, just a cliff that, notes reader or something? It was just I'm just a good test taker and oh, I would just and I I'm would not. just cheat off people. It was oh. just terrible. Horrible. <laughs> and I don't know what happened. And then it was like going into Bible college and realizing, hold on, I don't even know how to study. And I know how to read, but I I hate it. And I got to start reading. I got to learn to like actually read and learn to study. And I, I think just from all of that, from having to become an avid reader. And so I, I had, I had not read a book on writing, I think until I wrote my first book. Most of it was just, Hey, I've been reading good writers, guys that I love to read girls that I, I love to read. 
and just learning, you know, through watching them and through reading them, I do think that is how one of the best ways that we learn. Mm -hmm. So, so who are some of the writers that, you know, outside of those, those memoir books, which I think are so good. I think that's great advice. Who are some of the people that you read today, um, dead or alive that you think, man, I want to, I want to model my writing after them. Okay. Like Christian nonfiction or like literary fiction? Either way. (laughs) Okay. Well, when I think of Christian nonfiction, I would think of Gloria Furman. Um, she's pretty popular in our yeah. church. <laughs> we we call her Gloria. We all love her. But her, I mean, her writing is just so gospel infused. It sounds just like when you hear her speak. Um, so I would want my Christian nonfiction to definitely model hers. Um, right now, I'm kind of on a short story kick and literary fiction kick. So that's why I said that. Um, I think back to past writers that wrote short stories and literary fiction that were Christians and how they wrote about real life and God's character in their stories. So one person I think of is Flannery O'Connor. Most people believe she was a Christian. I think she was Catholic background, but her writing is beautiful. It's kind of creepy at the same time, but it's, it's very real life. And, um, Eudora Welty, I think of, but I guess also, I think this has hurt me in a way. I, I love John Piper's writing. It's hard to read and it takes a long time, Yeah, but I love his writing and I love A.W. Tozer too. And I think as a Christian writer, I mean, as a female writer, that's what I meant. Uh-huh. I think it's harder to be as firm as they are when we write. Um, I think a lot of publishers would like for a female Christian author to, you know, share a lot of illustrations that, you know, identify with the women, which would make sense and to be a little more gentle to the sensitive crowd. But my writing, I think, comes across a little too blunt because I read so much John Piper and Tozer. And I think that hurts me as a female writer because it, it just sounds kind of preachy, I guess you would say. And I'm not (laughs) a preacher um, because I'm a woman, but, um, Oh, I love their writing. I could sit and just meditate on a sentence that John Piper wrote for a while. He definitely can craft a sentence. Yeah. Like, that's why it takes so long to read because one page you're pausing after so many sentences to sit and think, what is he really saying here? So, but as a female, it's hard to write like that, I think, but I don't know if I could change that. (laughs) Yeah. I would, I would say, um, I would say just lean into who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, and I hate myself for even using the phrase lean in, but (laughs) I would yeah, just be true to your writing style. Um, I think some of it too does come with like age. You know, we're both on yeah. the, on the young spectrum um, in terms of book writing and and in our TGCV, you know, TGC desiring God's fears. We would be on the young side of of all of that stuff. So I think that could be some of it too. 
Um, yeah, and maybe that's a maybe that is a a wrong, um, an unfortunate stereotype of women women writers. Um, mm-hmm. I think they they have to be more um, genteel and and not as you know against the against the grain or or John the Baptisty um, or whatever. Yeah. So I would yeah. say I would say do it. Uh, when you can, obviously, you don't want a whole piece to be like that. But if you got some zingers, you got some lines like, you know, it's you. you it's not like Jen Wilkin is. Oh, it, she is. A, she doesn't pull punches. Mm-mm. She lets them fly. Um, Beth Moore doesn't pull punches. You know, she she lets them fly. But obviously, those are two examples of older, of older saints, great you know, older older women who are wonderful writers. And I don't think Jen would be offended calling her older. She's isn't she, <laughs> isn't she fifty. I think, yeah. I don't know, but I think her first, um, or I don't know if it's her oldest child, but one of her children just got engaged, so. Yeah, she's got to be older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that's, you know, I, w- I would just be who you are and and then trust editors at the same time to mm-hmm. um, to sneak in what you can and see what you can get away with That that's, you know, to the message that you want to get. But, but mm-hmm. that's what I would do. So yeah, I mean, so I'm a I'm an uneducated writer, and just just like you, trying to to plow the way forward and and to learn and, and to write. Um, so I think your advice for those uneducated writers is so good. But in in, a, in one of the emails you sent, we were talking about, and you said you want to go get uh, an MFA, and I had to ask you pre-show. I was like, what in the world is a is an MFA? I, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. So so what is that? Yeah, so it stands for a Master's of Fine Arts, and you can get it in a poetry or a fiction focus. It's creative writing. And I guess I thought more people knew, who it was, knew what it was. Of course, my husband didn't know what it was. But it if you want to teach, you definitely need to get one, of course. But if you want to do any creative writing fiction wise it would be very very helpful and a master so a ma in english would probably be better for a christian nonfiction. but as i said i'm kind of on a on a fiction kick yeah. which when i i, I always want to write christian nonfiction because i am a writer and i am a christian so i feel that i'm called to do that to serve the church no matter what but it's hard (laughs) and and well all writing is hard but christian nonfiction for me is not as fun you know it's more it takes a lot of study i want to rightly divine the word i want to back things up with scripture i don't want people to think it's just my opinion so when i think of writing that's not necessarily the most fun for me and then when I look back at my life and when I just wrote for fun, it was stories and mm. fiction. And so I've been thinking about that more lately. And so that's why I've been thinking of the MFA. And one thing I realized is that MFA programs are fully funded. Whoa. So I've been putting it off yeah, for a yeah. while because I thought, oh, well, we don't have the money and I don't have the time. But then when I started looking it up, they're fully funded. The whole thing is you have to get in. They only accept like 10 people okay. each semester at most of these schools. And then they give you a stipend for serving as a TA and everything, too. But, I mean, I think fiction 
in creative writing classes are very helpful for a nonfiction writer too. I know Glenna said that, I think on, on your last episode, she reads a lot of fiction, I believe as well. So yeah, that's really neat. I hadn't, I, yeah, I'd never heard of the MFA and especially, man, if they're fully funded like that, absolutely try to get that. That'd be way cool. I know. I've been telling my husband, like, why not? It's free and they pay you, <laughs> but you know, we're prayerfully considering yeah, it. Yeah, 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 totally. Now, you know, one thing we talked about in the email was, and, and you hear a lot of people talk about this is having writing communities or writing friends, mm-hmm. which can be can be great. So everybody, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a, their own version of the Inklings? It sounds amazing. Meeting with your friends, uh, mm-hmm. meeting for coffee or meeting at a pub and going over writing, talking about writing, encouraging each other, laughing, having fun, of course. But we're all, it's not, we all don't have C.S. Lewis or Tolkien or uh, other people as our friends. And we're not professors at Oxford and, and have time mm-hmm. to hang out together during the day. And sometimes in our own communities, like, so I don't know in Jackson, if you've got other writers um, in Houston, I, I haven't, you know, found a lot of guys who write similarly or, or want to hang out and talk about this, this writing stuff. So how have you tried to have um, developing writing communities as online? Do you have that? Um, do you think it's possible to have to recreate that online? Where are you at? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think. A lot of the women writers that I've met in person, we were friends on the internet first because we would send each other some of our articles we were working on and ask, hey, can you look over this and and see what you think, help edit it. So I think Jim Wilkin calls that for editors. There are for editors, <laughs> our right. friends who are editors. Um, so that kind of started that friendship. But there's also communities you can pay to have a membership with. So I know there's, there's hope writers. Now I've never like signed up for these, but you can also learn from them not being a member. I don't know if they would like me to say that, <laughs> but I, you know, I follow like hope writers. I get the habit, um, newsletter. You've had Jonathan uh-huh. Rogers on. Yeah. I get his newsletter. I sign up for all of his seminars. So he does a free seminar on Thursday nights, like every few weeks. And it's very helpful and interesting. I love listening to him answer questions. So you can learn that way. And he has a membership too, that you can sign up for to meet other writers. Uh, Brett Harris and Jaquel Crow. What's her new name? Yeah. Ferris. Ferris yep. or Farrell? Yeah, that, that sounds right. Something. I think it might be Farrell. But they have the Young Writers Workshop, which you need to be under 30 <laughs> to uh, be part of that. We're so, so old. Are you over 30, Jen? I don't know how old you are. I'm 30 on the dot. Oh, yep. See, we're disqualified. Yeah. So I went roller skating for my 30th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I did, me and my husband. But, yeah, so I'm 30. But I have teamed up with Brett and Jaquel a lot, too. So... Yeah, I'm never scared to, you know, like I shot you an email to shoot emails to other writers, DM them on Instagram just to get to know them and build a community. But I did find there are two writers at my church. So one of my friends, Daisy Crouch, she's also published on Desiring God. So I have her 
to talk to and um, send things over if I needed someone to look over something. And then there is a woman who joined our church a few months ago, and she is about my mother's age. She is a wise, wise, godly woman and a very good writer. She is a literature teacher of seventh graders at a very prestigious private school. And so when I'm with her, we talk about writing. And she, um, I recently had to write a chapter for a multi-contributor book that is shopping around right now. And she helped review all of that. And she helped me so much. Cool. Uh, So I have her, but that's it. Yeah, it's hard to find writers in your town, I think, but I'm lucky to have two at my church. So, yeah, that's great. And as, as someone who's, you know, grown in their writing um, and has just been faithful at plotting forward, writing on their blog and writing at other outlets, um, what's, what's a piece of advice that you would give to, to another writer who, you know, wants to do what you do? Um, they want to maintain their, you know, they're not looking for it to become a full-time job maybe right now or, or whatever. Uh, let's say you're at the gospel coalition women's conference next year and someone bumps into you and, and says, Hey, I'd, I'd love to get some writing advice for you. What, what's some advice you'd give them? Hmm. Well, I like to think back to when I first started writing seriously. And so that was an experience of real life to where, where God spoke to me um, through his word and through the death of my two friends. So I would say, take from your life experience, take from what the Lord is teaching you now. Like if you want to write for the church, um, for fellow believers, write what the Lord is, is teaching you. How can you make it clear to them what he's shown you? So that's what I would say to that. And then you also hear, you know, versus write what you know versus write what you don't know. I think it's a mix of both. So even I was working on a short story <laughs> this week and out in the story the the character, she gets in a car wreck and then she's picked up by an ambulance and Strangely enough, I've been in two ambulance rides in my life, so I can describe that because it's something I know. I experienced it, and so I'm thinking, okay, I remember it was really bright when they laid me down. It was so bright. It was like blinding, so I'm sitting there trying to think of, okay, what is bright? (laughs) What is something that has a ton of light bulbs? And I thought of a tanning bed. Now, I don't go to the tanning bed. I used to when I was young and stupid, but... So that's how I described it. And that was that was fun for me to think through. But that was because I've experienced. So that's something I know. And then when I went on to the story, you know, and and they're taking her to the hospital. Like, I don't know all the hospital jargon and stuff. So that's something that I don't know. Okay, so my advice to a writer who wants to write is Write what you know from your own life experience, and then what you don't know that needs to enhance it, look it up yeah. and learn. And um, that makes for beautiful writing. And all writing can be to the glory of God, um, fiction or nonfiction, Christian or not. Um, just let the Lord use you and be faithful 
that's such good, such good advice, not just for, you know, new riders or people who want to get started, but it's good advice for me. It's good advice for, for everybody. So thank you so much for that. Is there anything, um, you know, for, Oh, I always ask this too. I always forget. Uh, almost forgot, uh, for people out there that want to keep up with you, um, where, where should they go? Twitter, Instagram, where do you direct people? Mm. Well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I feel like I'm more of a watcher than (laughs) (laughs) I don't take good pictures, but, um, I am on Instagram and Twitter, the same handle. It's my last name at Brogdon Jen with two N's and the broad, I mean, two N's after Jim. Perfect. So do I need to spell it? No. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> and I'll, I'll put, I'll put links in the show notes. And so you can always just scroll to the bottom of your podcast app and you'll see links to Jen's blog uh, her articles, uh, some of the books that she mentioned and where you can follow her on social media and where you can, can follow me as well. Uh, Jen, thanks for, for coming on the show and for, for riffing about writing and offering some really good solid advice on how we can grow as a writer. I know it's really helpful for me and just encouraging to keep writing. You're welcome. I'm glad it was fun. Yep. And as always just keep writing. Mm-hmm. <laughs>